Hello, everyone. I'm Howie. I'm Allie. Welcome to the uh, Opinionated Podcast. It's uh, Opinionated. Well, that's one person's opinion. Correct opinion. Um, so this podcast is dedicated to storytelling, any form of story, movies, books, short stories, comics, video games, music, poems, whatever. If we find it an intriguing enough story that you know it evokes some evokes some kind of emotion from us, or you know we just think it's interesting, like it's open for discussion here. Mm-hmm. So uh, to introduce ourselves, I'll start. Um, I'm Howie. I'm you know a a nerd, a geek, a film buff, and a historian. I'm not a film historian. But um, being a, a historian, I know how to research, and Allie will tell you that if I'm even a little bit interested in something, I will research the crap out of it. He's not just, kidding. Yeah, just just for my own fun, like for <laughs> no other reason, just you know, just because I want to know about it. So, uh, what I bring to the table is just copious amounts of useless information. Yeah. And I'm Allie. I am an award-winning and produced screenwriter. And I'm also, um, I have my bachelor's in creative writing with a major in English and a minor in uh, fiction writing. So I bring a lot of different things to the table compared to him. Yeah. So she comes at it from a script writing, like the actual action of storytelling. And I come at it from a more kind of broader perspective. You know, so that's what we bring to the table in this. All right, let's get started. Um, today we'll be doing Solo, a Star Wars story, which was produced in 2018, directed by Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so before we, so how this is going to go, we're going to start off by giving a brief but not very brief summary of the movie. So if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert. And then we're going to discuss, you know, things that worked for us, things that didn't work for us, you know, how we thought of the characters and stuff like that. You know, Ron Howard being the director, the interesting thing is, A, I don't think people really understand uh, how much good work, like, well, not only how much work he's done in total, but also how much of that work Ron Howard's done has been, like, awesome. Incredible. Like, you know, he did the, you know, he, he directed the Jim Carrey uh, Grinch movie. Uh, he won an Oscar for A Beautiful Mind. Um, he directed those, uh, the, the you know, the Tom Hanks, uh, the Da Vinci Code films. Um, uh, you know, a bunch of other stuff that he's been involved in since, you know, obviously being Richie Cunningham on Happy Days. But... Yeah, it's, um, but he actually, so another fun fact, again, getting to the useless information, uh, George Lucas actually approached him to direct, um, Phantom Menace episode one. Um, he was one of several directors that, uh, that Lucas approached, but they all pretty much said, well, George, why don't you just direct it yourself? You know, and that's what wound up happening for better or worse. But, um, but yeah, um, Ron Howard actually got, you know, he wasn't the first choice for this movie. This movie started 
with uh, other directors whose names we didn't pull up, you know, because I'm honestly, I don't know. I don't know what percentage of the movie, like, uh, like very early in production. It wasn't like a justice league situation where Zack Snyder steps away, like when the movie's mostly done and then they, have Joss Whedon come in and basically almost redo the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was very early and they just started having conflicts with Disney slash Lucasfilm about the direction of the movie and stuff. And so they got fired and then they called him Ron Howard to hi, uh, post edit Allie and Howie here. Uh, turns out, uh, I was actually, uh, very mistaken about, uh, about Ron Howard being brought in early in the production. He was actually brought in very, very late. Um, and the same thing with Rogue One, we found out too, uh, looking into it, right? Um, basically, when the director was replaced at the end. Yeah, like, well, with Rogue One, basically, you know, they were in post production and then the whole movie got reworked uh, by a completely different guy in post production. But with Solo, basically, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, you know, Disney was like, like, it's the cliche, you know, creative differences. Apparently, they wanted a more kind of like um, improvisational type of environment and stuff for the scenes. And that's not how Disney works. Um, That might have gone into how or why they cast... um, um, Beckett, ah, um, Woody Harrelson, because mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson's very good at Im- improvising his lines. That's how it's kind of how he injects a lot of himself into the his characters that we talk about. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, uh, basically, a huge portion of the movie was shot, but then things just weren't working out. Things weren't getting done because they were trying to do so much improvisation, and so they. Uh, you know, they parted ways with uh, Lord and Miller and called in Ron Howard to reshoot stuff that they felt didn't work and basically finish up the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but a lot of the reporting of this was one of the reasons why people think that the movie didn't do so well at the box office. Because, um, like, if there's a bunch of bad publicity about a movie, um, you know, people are less likely to go and see it. You know, if, they, if articles are constantly coming out about, like, uh, you know, just chaos yeah. backstage and stuff like that, people are people are like, oh, this movie's going to be a mess. I'm not going to go see it. But, uh, and we're going to, and we are going to get into, you know, kind of like reasons why we feel this movie didn't do so hot at the box office. But, um, but yeah, that's just one of the reasons. It's kind of that uh, that the change in directors. But um, you have anything to say about any of that? I know I just <laughs> no. kind I just kind of went on a long winded rant. There. You're fine. You're fine. One, gonna be one of many. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. You know, lots of information. I have no idea how you pulled most of that out of your butt. Well, out of nowhere. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's a, awesome to know though. It gives a, you more appreciation for Ron. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Uh, but it's 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 not a perfect filing system. Butt, but, you know, it works. Indeed. Um, but the 
It's also uh, very disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> but for those of you who don't know and who can't tell by the uh, title, the movie is about Han Solo, specifically a young Han Solo. Uh, and essentially the story of like kind of how he uh, came to be the guy that we meet in uh, Star Wars A New Hope. Mm-hmm. You know, um, played by played obviously by Harrison Ford um, in the original trilogy, and this one he would be played by um, a guy by the name of Alden Ehrenreich. I think uh, it's a very German name. I'm not sure how. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how it's pronounced. But <laughs> better than me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know you have strong feelings about about that, but we'll 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 get to that. I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> So, do you have anything to say before we, um, you know, before we get started on the brief, not very brief summary? Nope. Let's roll. Okay. Um, So, basically, we start off the movie on the planet Corellia uh, with young Han and his uh, love interest, uh, a woman played by Amelia Clark named uh, Kira. Uh, And they... You know, apparently just pulled some kind of scam and are fleeing some people. Uh, what they stole was some hyperfuel, aka coaxium, makes all the light speed travel that you see in Star Wars possible, and it's apparently worth tons and tons of money. Um, and so they wind up um, going to like the head of like this criminal organization that they kind of work for. Who says that Han and Kira kind of they 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 owe them you know that coaxium like that job was for them and they just kind of run away and their plan is to run to a spaceport um, and use the coaxium to bribe somebody to like let them onto a ship so they can get off Corellia because mm-hmm. apparently Corellia is just a a crime infested hellhole and and so they they go about doing that. Uh, but Kira gets caught. Well, the the person they try to bribe, like basically takes the coaxium and then raises the alarm. Kira gets caught. Han gets through the first gate, but um, basically when he seems like he's going to be caught, um, like he he ducks the security guards by basically enlisting in the Imperial Navy, saying that he's going to be. Uh, the best pilot in the galaxy, which is pretty much what everybody in all of Star Wars says. I'm going to be the best pilot in the galaxy. No one, no one's like, yeah, I'm going to be an okay pilot. Kind of reminds me of um, Top Gun. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean that that's the point of the of the school in Top Gun is to see who's the best fighter pilot. Don't get me started on a Top Gun quote off. Right? <laughs> we'll, we'll be here all night. We'll start talking about Top Gun instead of Solo. That's true. Um, but. But also, but so this him enlisting in the navy, um, he tells the guy who's enlisting him that he, you know, when the guy's like name, you know, and he says Han, um, you know, he doesn't apparently like he doesn't have a last name, and so the the imperial officer just so and so you know just think you know the look on his face he just thinks he's so clever going hmm, Han. Solo uh, is weird, kind of, kind of, because Solo is Italian for alone, so it implies the existence of the Italian language 
in the galaxy far, far away. Which, you know, was... I get it. It's supposed to be, like, a joke. Um, but, like... I guess, I guess it's whatever, because, I mean, if the British accent could make it all the way over there, then I guess so could the Italian language. And I guess if, you, and if you're watching The Mandalorian, um, Bill Burr is a character, is a recurring character, so the, <laughs> bo- the Boston accent made it all the way there, too. That's awesome. She, she doesn't watch The Mandalorian. Yeah, I know. So. Um, but, yeah, so... And then we fast forward. I think it's like... Three years later, and Han is not a pilot. He is basically just a generic infantry grunt in the Imperial uh, Army. Uh, he's in the middle of a you know we you know when the story catches up to him, he's in the middle of a battle. Uh, it seems like it's not going well for either side. They're kind of stuck in like a World War One ish like standoff where both sides are in these huge trenches and stuff like that. Um, and this is where we meet the other, uh, you know, a few of the other main characters for the rest of the movie. Um, Woody Harrelson as Tobias Beckett, um, and Woody Harrelson. So, uh, Woody Harrelson and Billy Bob Thornton, those are the two people that can get away with wearing wigs. In movies, and nobody bats an eye. Like it actually looks really good. good. Yeah, it looks good. Like everyone else, it's like I don't know what you're saying, sir, because I'm distracted by whatever that is on yeah, your head. Like, but um, but yeah. So we get uh, Thandaway Newton. I think that I'm not sure if that. Don't sue me if that's not how it's actually pronounced. But Thandaway Newton as Val, who is Tobias Beckett's kind of like. Uh, right hand lady right yeah but they're also like you know clearly in some kind of relationship I don't know if they're married or whatever but like they're obviously like in a in a Bonnie and Clyde type of relationship and then um, an alien by the name of Rio uh, who was voiced by John Favreau who you know we all know because he uh, like he basically runs the show for the he runs the Mandalorian and also he's he started the MCU essentially plays Happy Hogan in the MCU mm-hmm. um, but um, but yeah so essentially those three are all impersonating uh, Imperial troops in order to steal some kind of like industrial ship Um and Han essentially figures out that that they're not actually Imperial soldiers because uh, to buy, because Beckett's armor is covered in like blaster burns and stuff like that. So it becomes obvious that he took it off of a dead officer. But Beckett is like, uh, but Beckett and you know like Han is like, hey, let me join you, you know, and uh, they're originally. Uh, like, well, Beckett, Beckett is kind of like, mm, maybe, but then Han threatens to like sell him out. Like, well, if you don't let me join, then, you know, maybe I just tell somebody that you're impersonating an Imperial officer, but because he's dressed as an Imperial officer, he just goes to, he just turns, turns around. It's like, excuse me, Sergeant. Uh, Allie and I are both, uh, veterans of the army and we can both attest 
to the idea that essentially, um, if you just act like you know what you're doing and what you're talking about, everyone's gonna believe you. Reminds me of Top Gun again. Yeah, like in the second Maverick. Right in in the second in, in Top Gun Maverick, like you know. Spoiler alert! Yeah, spoiler alert! They're they're running. You know, uh, Maverick and uh, Rooster are running on, in a, in an enemy airfield, but they're in you know they're in their flight suits, mm-hmm. but they they are running like they know where they're going, so nobody nobody bothers them. Yep. You know, I can't tell you how <laughs> many loved it because yeah. it's so real. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't tell you how many times I got out of work because I was walking around with a folder <laughs> full of papers like I knew where I was going. Like if you if you if you if anybody who's active duty in the military if you need to get out of work just have a clipboard or a folder full of papers you only need to have something on the top page everything else can just be blank rubbish and just walk around like you know what you're like you know what you're doing know where you're going no one's gonna bother you but no you one. didn't hear that from us no one <laughs> I promise. Your expression. But uh, that being said, um, so they take Han prisoner for being a deserter, and they throw him into this giant uh, mud hole, and they, you know, saying like, "Oh, they, uh, they, um, you know, we haven't fed the beast. You know, they're feeding him to a, a monster, and like, oh, we haven't fed the beast in a week or something like that." Turns out the beast is chewy. Yay. It's chewy. Yay, Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically Chewie is about to kill Han, but then Han starts speaking in, in, in Wookiee. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty spot on. Yeah. You know, while he's, ch- he's like, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, oh my God. But then, but then like, he just proceeds to speak normal, in, you know, galactic basic, which is. English for the non-nerds oh, in the audience. Oh, okay. uh, like he just starts speaking like normal to him, like he does, like in all the other freaking Star Wars movies, and you know, like it's whatever. But uh, but Chewie doesn't kill him, and but instead he kind of like Han comes up with an idea to for them to escape, where Chewie essentially uses Han as a battering ram. To, <laughs> You're my weapon. <laughs> yeah, to knock down a load-bearing pole to bring you know to bring the cage down. And then they they escape, um, like and basically because they escaped, it convinces uh, you know Beckett and Rio overrule Val, who still doesn't want to take him. But they're like, yeah, kid's got spunk, he's got moxie, <laughs> yeah. you know, and the, and we could use uh, the strength of a Wookie. He's not big. Yeah, he's got pizzazz. I can't do it. It's a horrible <laughs> walking him. It wasn't. It wasn't what I started. If, if, no, it's it's terrible. I was just going it's with terrible. pizzazz. I just couldn't remember the word. It's terrible. Uh, it, you know, You're the after after this video, me. after this video, after this video, go go like YouTube. Uh, you know, freaking uh, Christopher Walken beige commercial, <laughs> and you'll see how terrible. Every- I wasn't doing an impression. I don't do impressions. It's- I am the worst in the whole world. Beige. <laughs> there we go. I was hoping he'd do it. Beige. Kevin- <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Fun, fun fact, uh, Christopher Walken was almost cast as Han Solo in the original trilogy. Like, that's who... That's who 
That's who George Lucas originally wanted. Like, That's crazy. Harrison. Well, I, actually, sorry. No, no, no. I was about to start talking about Indiana Jones. But yeah, he wanted Christopher. He also wanted Al Pacino for Luke. <laughs> That's crazy. Imagine the alternate reality. Where, so weird. Yeah, imagine the alternate reality where Christopher Walken. That's not a world I want to live in. You know, Christopher Walken is Han and Al Pacino is Luke. I like, mean, Han, that's okay. I love Harrison, but, you know. <laughs> that's great. That's. <laughs> but um, but yeah, anyhow, moving on. Uh, so, well, so they bring him onto this, this like you know, this this ship, and like it's not like a big ship, and um, is essentially like a like a a forklift that can go into space, but uh, like, but Han and Chewie need to clean up. So, what do they do? They get in the shower together. Like, why is that necessary? <laughs> it's so hilarious. It's so gross. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and the thing is, like, my my thing is that, like, um, I don't even understand, like, why a ship that size and for that function would even have a shower. Maybe a bed. I could see, like, a toilet, mm-hmm. you know, but, like, why would it have a shower? Like, you know. I can um, see some form of comic relief because it got me. Well, yeah, like obviously, you know, st- some for you know, the stuff, story. That's yeah. not something you really do. I mean, stuff. If it doesn't flow, like it didn't really flow, but it was funny. I mean, we could have. Yeah, I mean, could have just as easily just like clipped over to them being all cleaned up, and no one, no one would have batted an eye and been like, "How did they get themselves cleaned up?" Yeah, like, it would have been fine. Yeah. It would have been fine. Yeah. You know, but they had to. They had to make it weird. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, um, so they get to the, they get to where they're going to pull this job and essentially the job is to steal a, uh, you know, uh, like a train cart full of this coaxium, which we know from earlier is extremely valuable. Uh, so this group of, uh, kind of like guerrilla warriors called the cloud riders show up. And basically, kind of uh, mess up the mess up the job for them. Val and Rio wind up dying. Well, okay. So before the job starts, uh, Beckett, Woody Harrelson essentially disassembles like a rifle and turns it into just a normal blaster. Mm-hmm. And you know that's you know that's the explanation of how Han gets his famous blaster, which is like his version of like Clint, you know. Dirty Harry's forty four Magnum. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, and, the, and you know the main like I find that the main purpose of this uh, movie is to kind of like address how Han gets a lot of his famous tools, traits, stuff like that. Kind of like it, kind of like the prologue of. Um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It, it answers how Indy got his hat and his mm-hmm. whip, and and they even did a thing where he, scar. yeah, he gets the um the, the Harrison Ford scar on his chin <laughs> that was given to him by Sean Bean. That's right, Ned Stark cut uh cut cut the chin of Indiana Jones and Han Solo. <laughs> More but, useless information that we love. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, but yeah, so the job goes awry, 
Val and Rio die. Um, and then they have to basically justify, you know, this, uh, the loss of money, the coaxium to, uh, a crime syndicate leader by the name of Dryden Boss, who works for, um, Crimson Dawn. Uh, Dryden Boss is played by, um, by, uh, Paul Bettany, who we know as, uh, um, Vision from the MCU, mm. you know, most most famously, but he's in a bunch of stuff. Um, Thank you for putting a face to that. You mean besides the face in the movie? Mm. Well, I'm saying, like, who that is. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so, and Dryden is going to kill him, you know, like, oh, you failed me, so I'm just going to kill you. But, you know, because, like, they decide, you know, he, he's like, oh, there's no other way to get that much coaxium, so I'll just kill you. And, but Han comes up with the idea to, since, since they were trying to steal refined coaxium, why don't they steal some unrefined coaxium because it's much less heavily uh, protected. Uh, and then, so, also while they're there, Han meets up again with Kira, Amelia Clark's character again. And when they first meet, it's in this like big party, and it's not really clear why she's there, but then it becomes clear she's Dryden Voss's right-hand woman. Mm-hmm. And so when Han comes up with this plan, she he essentially turns to her and is like, should I trust him with this plan? And she's like, yeah, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. And But he's like, okay, fine, but you're going to go with, you know, make sure it gets done right. And they're and she's like, okay. And, and so uh, first things first, they need a ship. And for some reason, Dryden Boss can't just, you know, give them a ship, even though he's extremely wealthy and powerful, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but they decide. It can't be easy. Yeah. Well, well, they need a reason. Right, yeah. I mean, they <laughs> need a reason to introduce, of course, Lando Calrissian. Played by um, Donald Glover and and the Millennium Falcon, and uh, so you know Han is asking Kira where they can get a ship, and she's like, "Oh, I know a pilot with a ship," you know, and and then it turns out it's Lando Calrissian, and they go to this like gambling den. It's also kind of a fighting pit. Basically, if if it's if it can be gambled on, they're they're gambling on it. Mm-hmm. And Han essentially is, you know, goes up to Lando and is like, "Hey, um, if I beat you in cards, um, you know, you help us pull this job, you know, or you you give us your ship or whatever." And um, turns out Han is very good at cards, uh, so much so that Lando has to cheat to beat him. He has a card up his sleeve. That you know the camera shows us he uses to beat Han, and but Han is like I you know he cheated I know he you know because he There's no way yeah he did the math and figured out that the card he used was like one too many in the deck, but Kira and and and, and Beckett are like well how how are you gonna prove it mm-hmm. you know so then they just they just kind of ask him to to do it and he says yes you know they give him a, they give him a, a cut of the take 
but like they just wind up asking him anyway. And logic says, you know, you should have just started with that. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of pointless, but I get it. Yeah. Well, they, they you know, this is all a big foreshadowing moment, you know, so it's 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 whatever. It's understandable uh, at the at the end of the movie. It kind of has but, a point. Yeah. So they get to the ship, and it turns out uh, it um, Lando has a co-pilot by the name of L337. I was going to talk about um, like how Beckett, it's almost his only real section where we get to see his personality really shine besides at the ship where, um, well, not at the ship, but in the beginning where Han and Beckett first meet get to see his personality there where he kind of overpowers and shows that he's better and bigger than Han. And we get him again where he's like overpowering um, Lando. Like, oh, you want this percentage? You're not getting it. You're getting this instead. And they just keep bickering back and forth until um, Beckett wins. Yeah, I mean, uh, Beckett, the the character, like he kind of takes a back seat for like this huge, for like the entire middle section of the film. Like he kind of takes a back seat to Han Lando and Kira, uh, and everything that they're that's going on there. Um, so he doesn't really have a lot to do until the very end again. Uh, but we'll get into that. Um, but so, uh, but yeah, so the the co pilot L three thirty seven. Um, she's like you know the the she her function is that you know she has you know her internal memory has the best map of the galaxy i guess like in the galaxy and um but also she's like a kind of a you know like a she's she's constantly talking about like the inequality of like droids in the galaxy um uh, but other than that, it's, you know, like the big joke is that Lando is in love with her despite being a droid. Yeah, so. she acts like she's not really that into him, kind of. Um, whenever she's talking to Kira, kind of girl talking with her, which is kind of weird. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, we see him later on having feelings. Yeah. But so the plan is to do the famous Kessel run that is mentioned in A New Hope, you know, uh, when Obi-Wan is... You know, well, um, when Han is like, you've never heard of the Millennium Falcon, should I have? That's um, your best impression right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying trying to get through it, all right? <laughs> you know, and, and Han is like, the Millennium Falcon, it's the ship that did the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. You know, just answering a question from Han's past presented in the original trilogy, like this is going to answer that. Mm-hmm. But to get to Kessel, you know, the planet where all the coaxium is mined, the Kessel run just, you know, you have to go through this thing, this kind of like permanent lightning storm in space called the maelstrom. Um, <laughs> you just made that face for the camera. Sorry. <laughs> for for those of you who are just listening, not watching, uh, our, our dog <laughs> just a weird. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Our, our dog just sat on her foot. And, you know, she made she made like a very strange face. It's just my face. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, they have to go through this maelstrom that leads to the planet Kessel, where all the coaxium is mined, and um. But while while they're traveling there, 
like Han and Kira kind of, well, Han tries to kind of rekindle their relationship. Kira tries, you know, is being all like, I, I don't, you don't, you know, I'm not Things that girl. changed yeah, for I'm, me. I'm I mean, not that girl anymore. Yep. And Han is like, well, I'm a, I'm a bad guy too. I'm not a good guy either. You know, she tries to explain like, this is my career on the line and this is my life now. Like I'm not the girl that you once knew. But Han doesn't care. Uh, and so they have a, you know, make out session um, in Lando's closet, which is filled with capes, um, which is, you know, a joke is like in the original trilogy, you will, every time you see Lando, he's wearing a cape like every time. So that's the, that's the joke. Um, um, but they get to Kessel and in a callback, another callback to the original trilogy, Han and Chewie are pretending to be prisoners of Kira while Beckett and L3 are pretending to be Kira's bodyguards. Um, and also it should be said Beckett is wearing the same costume that Lando wears as a disguise in Jabba's palace in uh, Return of the Jedi. So, uh, but yeah, the, the plan is essentially the same as, you know, the plan in A New Hope to rescue Leia. Essentially, um, they pretend to escort the prisoners, uh, you know, inside. And then once everyone's inside, they kind of just do their thing to get the coaxium. So, uh, once Han and Chewie are inside, uh, they, you know, they, they start like a prison riot, essentially L3 and Beckett take over the security room and, you know, unlock everything for them. And because, uh, Kira is in a room by herself, um, with the, with like the head administrator of the prison, she just kind of kicks his butt. It's like the one like kick butt moment she has in the movie that I remember. Yeah. I, you know, besides the, you know, the fight at the end, but like, that's really her and Hans, not just her. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so, uh, while they're escaping, uh, the, the mines, L3 is shot and he's, you know, mostly destroyed. And this is where we see, you know, Lando, like, you know, like it's kind of presented as a joke at first when, when uh, L3 tells Kira that Lando's in love with her. Um, but then we actually see like, yeah, he is. Cause when she's shot, he, you know, he starts breaking down and stuff, mm -hmm. but you know, they get her, you know, they get, uh, her back on the ship. Um, and because he's like mourning and, you know, like boohooing, Han has to pilot the ship. Well, I mean, that's what he's doing. Boohooing. He is. Um, Han has to pilot the ship. And this is a running theme. Like, nobody wants to let Han uh, pilot anything, but anytime he's given the opportunity to pilot something, like, he kills it. So it's like, you know, so it's this again. Like, Lando piloted the ship to Kessel. But now Han has to pilot it out of Kessel, you know, and um, and so when they're going through the maelstrom again, a Star Destroyer is waiting for them because the mines of Kessel are imperially controlled, obviously because they want a monopoly on 
the coaxium market. And um, so Han, uh, again, in another call out to the original trilogy. So in, you know, in Empire Strikes Back to dodge the, um, to dodge the Imperials, like he goes into a uh, asteroid field, you know, Mm And so now he goes in like into the maelstrom, not in like the weird tunnel that the maelstrom has for people to fly through, yep. like into like the storm itself. So, but this time the star destroyer doesn't follow them; just a bunch of Tie Fighters. Beckett gets into the gunner seat that we see in A New Hope and shoots a couple of them, but most of them just kind of get destroyed by the maelstrom itself. Um. But they don't really know, they don't really have a way out of it. Um, and so, uh, because L3's internal memory core has the best map of the galaxy, like basically they plug her into the ship to download her into the ship. So basically, she becomes the ship's Google Maps. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of maps them a way out. And, uh, and so they take it after almost being devoured by like a a monster out of like HP Lovecraft's, you know, uh, worst nightmares. (laughs) Um, um, and then, uh, they get to the planet Severine to, to refine the coaxium. Uh, and then, but then the, the, the cloud riders meet up with them again and essentially, tell them like, Hey, we're all victims of Crimson Dawn. Uh, we need the coaxium to keep fighting them and the empire. So we appreciate if you just gave it to us. Mm-hmm. Han and Kira and Chewie want to help them. Uh, Beckett does. And he's like, no, I, I pulled this job. I want to get paid and retire. Um, and so, and so basically uh, they construct a plan uh, with Beckett um, to, you know, to to essentially uh, swindle uh, Dryden Boss. Um, and then, you know, they go to meet him. Uh, but it turns out they, you know, Beckett does the obvious thing where he betrays them. You know, like it turns out he told Dryden Boss ahead of time that, you know, the coaxium was gonna, that they're giving him was going to be fake. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that they... Knew they bluffed. Yeah, well, they knew. Yeah, they knew Beckett was going to betray them, so they actually brought the real stuff. Um, and um, Beckett kills all of Dryden Boss's bodyguards, and essentially walks out with the coaxium. He he makes Chewie lift it, and walks out with them. And so Kira and Han are left there with Dryden and. Uh, so those two basically team up to kill Dryden Mm -hmm. and Han and Kira have this conversation where they're like, Hey, um, you know, look, Han's like, run away with me. You know, let's, let's just, you know, let's leave Crimson Dawn and everyone else behind. Let's just, you know, um, you know, we'll, we'll figure everything out as we go. And Kira you know, again, tries to be like, it's uh, that's not, I'm not, you know, the same person anymore. But then she's like, okay, fine. Um, but she tells Han to leave and she's like, I'll be right behind you. I got, we got to pay for a ship somehow. So I'm going to, 
you know, take Twist all these things. Yeah, I'm, yeah, like they like Dryden has all these valuables in his in his office, you know, and so she's like, I'm gonna basically she she's implying that she's gonna gather up all this stuff to so they can pay for a ship. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they can't just take Dryden's ship mm-hmm. now, but whatever. Um, meanwhile, Han goes to meet Beckett somehow. Somehow. <laughs> winds up in front of Beckett. It's really strange. Like you, you can see behind Beckett the ship as fast as I could. The ship that they just left. Yep. That that Han just left. Like literally five seconds ago in the movie. Yep. Just left it. And all he says is, and I it's came like as fast as I could, buddy. Yeah, it's like way in the background too. It's like miles off. Yep. Doesn't and, and then, but the, but then it'd be one thing if he caught up to him. That's yeah. that's fine. That makes sense. He said it's like ten minute yeah. start. In, in, yeah, but like instead, like he winds up in front of him mm-hmm. somehow, waiting for him, like at the top of this hill, and it's like, like I don't like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. And as far as I know, you know, in all my readings of the Star Wars literature. Uh, I don't think they have transporter beams like in Star Trek, so I don't see how he could have gotten there. Yeah, unless it was going to be like a spinoff of explaining well, it later. Yeah, I mean, or just you know, I mean, obviously, I guess he could have like taken a speeder, but then like went like way around so that like Beckett and nobody else saw him riding. I guess I don't know, yeah, but like it, it just it just didn't make sense for him to pop up in front of him. Mm-hmm. Coming up behind him, whatever. I mean, that's fine. It makes sense. But yeah, so um, Beckett um, is like, okay, kid, you've learned a lot, but I'm gonna teach you, you know, one last lesson, and pay attention because this is the most important lesson. And, but before he can say anything, Han shoots him, and you know, essentially, he dies in his arms, and he's like, you know, I really was gonna retire, you know, and learn this musical instrument that he's been talking. It's been a running joke throughout the movie. Um, and, but like, you know, he just kind of dies. Um, and then as he dies, you see, you know, the, 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 the ship that Kira stayed on, you know, takes off because she, while Han was doing all that stuff, she had a meeting with Darth Maul from episode one, uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels, mm-hmm. um, and also and also various books and comics and video games and whatnot. But that's besides the point. So uh, she has a meeting with Darth Maul, who's the leader of Crimson Dawn, basically saying like, "Yeah, um, Beckett betrayed everybody, killed killed Dryden Boss and everybody else. I'm the only one who survived, so I'll be taking over Dryden's like section of the." Uh, of, 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 you know, Crimson Dawn. Yeah, because she is who she said she was all along. She just wanted power. She wanted to rise up in the ranks. Well, she also knows that this is the only way to protect Han. Yeah. Like, you know, the only way, like, otherwise, like, otherwise... He's uh, a dead man. Yeah, otherwise, you know, Crimson Dawn, Darth Maul would have been after him. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Um, so she put all the blame on Beckett, who just died. Um... And so the, um, 
I mean, it should be said that Lando had already taken off at this point. He took off when the Cloud Riders uh, confronted them um, on Severine. Like, you don't, you, we don't see Lando like be like, "Oh, I'm out of here." Like, you know, Han just is like, "Hey, in that ship, we got twenty, you know, we got we got twenty hired guns armed to the teeth, you know." And then, and then uh, Lando's like, and then you see the Millennium Falcon just take off and beat it, you know, so, um, but Han gives the coaxium to the cloud riders and then him and Chewie kind of do the, like, they're, they're kind of just walking off almost like, uh, at the end of dumb and dumber, Harry and Lloyd, like, yeah, we'll get our, we'll get our chance to, uh, the, but the, the very end of the movie is Han and Chewie catching up to Lando. Um, and, uh, you know, playing cards with him again. But this time, you know, Han, when, when they first see Lando, Han hugs him. Um, and then, you know, basically sits down to play cards. And again, because Han, I guess, is an incredible card player, he gets um, Lando to bet his ship, the Millennium Falcon, again. Um, and this time, but this time, because they hugged, Han took the card that he knows, uh, Lando has up his sleeve. So mm-hmm. Lando doesn't have it up his sleeve now. Um, and so, uh, Han lays down, uh, Lando lays down his hand, it's still a pretty good hand, but then Han lays his down and it, you know, it's a, it's a, even it's an even better hand, and but Han's like, "Too bad you didn't have this card, huh?" Mm-hmm. You know, and um, but that's how we, you know, and that's how Han uh, gets the Millennium Falcon again, answering the whole thing from Empire Strikes Back when Lando's like, "What did you do with my ship?" You know, and Han's like, "Your ship? I want it from you, fair and square." Mm-hmm. Um, and that now, so now we know. Another answer. Yeah. Um, and, um, and yeah, and the last, the last scene, the last image that we see is Han and Chewie in the Millennium Falcon shooting off into light speed. Han is talking about going to Tatooine to meet up with the up and coming crime boss, you know, see about a job. And i you know, we know that that is Jabba the Hutt and that kind of becomes what Han does, you know, becomes a smuggler for Jabba and that's, you know, and you know, and that leads him to where we see him in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. So that is Solo, a Star Wars story. Again, a brief but not very brief summary. <laughs> That's how we roll. Yeah. Um, well, because we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff, I wanted to make it. You know, I you know, I don't like. I want them to know what we're talking about. You know, yeah. So. No, I agree. But um, so overall. Um, again, this movie was kind of not, not divisive in the same way that, uh, like the last Jedi was divisive where like some people love it. Some people hate it or really it seems like half the fandom, half the fandom loves it. Half the fandom hates it. You know, all this stuff. Solo is divisive in the sense that like pretty much, uh, it's either whether you've seen it or not, because Everybody who I've talked to who's seen it finds it enjoyable. They enjoy it. We enjoyed it. 
Yep. But a lot of people just haven't seen it. Yep. You know. Um, so did you want to say how you felt about the movie, like overall? I mean, I enjoyed it, and I was one of those people because I like the original <laughs> saga. So I wanted, you know, the actual storyline. I didn't want some side plot, and it wasn't Harrison. And like, I'm a huge fan of Harrison. Like, we have two boy cats, of course, a girl cat, but her name is not important in this situation. She is part of the um, Game of Thrones situation. Compliments of him. Yeah. But my boys are Han and Harrison for obvious reasons. Yeah. But like, so I, I didn't want to give it a chance, but then I actually watched it. Um, we watched it together and I loved it. It was great. Um, of course, Alden is not Harrison and I feel like he he executes pretty well, but there's some parts that, you know, it's not really my guy. Well, it should be said that Harrison Ford himself said in an interview that he felt Alden absolutely killed it. So, um, obviously, he was working for Disney at the time, so that might they might have just told him to say that. But, mm-hmm. like, um, Harrison Ford seems like the kind of guy who, like, doesn't really care about that because, like... I mean, like, Harrison Ford, like, he doesn't actually care all that much about Han Solo, the character. Like, um, he he finds Indiana Jones, his other, obviously, you know, major character, to be much more thrilling, a much more uh, exciting character. And like, there's, you know, plenty of story on him. Well, yeah. He's but, a real story guy. Well, yeah, like, he just, like, you know... Uh, like Star Wars is kind of like you know, his, you know, kind of like a, just a paycheck to him a little bit. Like he kind of hates how uh, you know people constantly ask him about stuff, but he doesn't. You know, but he doesn't care. Like, like, uh, like Mark Hamill, uh, you know, who obviously played Luke Skywalker, he loves it. Like he loves Star Wars. He loves Luke the character. Mm-hmm. He gets into it. You know. Um, even James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader, he loves it. You know, when people come up and talk to him about being Darth Vader in Star Wars, he loves it. Uh, Harrison, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't care all that much about about Han, other than you know, it's it, you know, it's a paycheck, and obviously it made him famous. Um, and uh, but yeah, like, uh, but yeah, he says he said Alden killed it and i think alden did a you know mostly good job there there and we'll talk about this later but there are times where i feel like he's he's not doing he's he's not doing harrison ford he's kind of just doing himself and but overall i think he did great um i i'm overall i think the whole cast did great for, yeah they did for I what it, like like amelia clark killed it she is just incredible in everything she does yeah but overall, uh, getting back to that, I think I enjoyed the movie. Um, I mean, me being a lifelong Star Wars fan, having taken in the comics and the books and the video games and everything my entire life, like you know, um, it's 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 you know, it's a good enjoyable story, you know. Um, I don't have a ton of problems with it, even though I know when we're going to like, I know there are parts where, you know, 
that where the movie didn't make sense, where it seems like I have issues with the movie, but really it's, you know, overall, I find it a very enjoyable Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Even with our qualms. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the main reason why, so uh, when Disney first bought Lucasfilm and Star Wars, um, you know, they, uh, when they finally started releasing stuff, it was like, you know, machine gun fire, like bam, 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 bam. You know, they, they released, yeah, they released, uh, Force Awakens. Um, you know, they restarted, uh, the Clone Wars for one more season. They started the uh, other animated show Rebels. Um, they, uh, and then, and then they released Rogue One, which was going to be the first of supposed to be many, uh, sort of, you know, side stories, you know, uh, you know, they were saying that they were going to do all these, all these, uh, kind of spinoffs and side stories about stuff, other stuff going on in the galaxy kind of, you know, before, during and after, you know, the, you know, the, the main Star Wars saga, um, and so Rogue One was the first one with that, and it also had a bunch of, uh, it also had a lot of chaos, you know, but it wound up, you know, being a very, a, a great movie, and people loved it. And then The Last Jedi came out, which is incredibly divisive, as I, as I pointed out earlier, like people, you know, like I said, it's, people either love it or hate it. And I, and, uh, I'm not, you know, if you love it, fine, cool. We didn't, we don't, um, you know, for all kinds of reasons that we're not going to get into, cause then we'll just turn start talking about that. Yep. But if you're one of the people that loves the movie, it's fine, whatever, you know, it's all good. Um, but the, um, but immediate, but a few months after, um, but a few months after the last Jedi solo comes out and, um, and solo doesn't do well. Um, and again, just a reminder, those are fireworks going off in the background. If you can hear them, they're not gunshots. I promise. Um, we are recording this on, you know, the, the week of 4th of July. And, and it's the weekend, so everybody who didn't do it during the week are doing it now. Yeah, because it's kind of rainy on the 4th of July where we are. Mm-hmm. So um, people, you know, if, if they didn't set off fireworks the day out there, probably saving them for the weekend. Um, so, but yeah, so, uh, so I guess we can get started as to why uh, a lot of people didn't see this film. Uh, the reasoning, the, the most hypothesized reasons are, uh, a, that they were releasing star Wars movies too frequently. They weren't special. anymore. Mm-hmm. That's one theory. Um, two that, uh, that basically solo was a movie that no one asked for. Like no one really asked for. A Han Solo origin story, mm-hmm. um, and so people just didn't want it. You know, really, they you know like Ali, they didn't want to see anybody besides Harrison Ford be Han Solo. So mm-hmm. they're just like, ah, well, we'll stay home. You know, uh, and then uh, I already talked about um, 
I already talked about uh, kind of chaos in the, uh, you know, like articles being written about the movie kind of being in, in chaos. Um, so that might have driven, that might have convinced people, some people to stay home. But then there's theory D, <laughs> which is the one that I subscribe to where uh, Last Jedi was so divisive that everybody who hated Last Jedi, well, not everybody. Obviously, but a lot of the people who had a strong negative reaction to the Last Jedi just stayed home, just didn't go out and see Solo because they're like this. You know, they're, they're basically the people who you know, like a lot of people are like they they're ruining Star Wars. I'm not going to support this, mm-hmm. so they stayed home. You know, and I think uh, I I personally think that's the most. That I think that's the most reasonable and plausible explanation. The others probably played into it a little bit too, but um, you know, I think I think just the divisiveness, like people, like the internet was still on fire arguing about the Last Jedi when Solo got released, and then you so know, it was and, bad timing in general. But they could, I don't think they could have delayed the release because it wouldn't have been a good look. Mm-mm. You know. So, but what do you think? No, I agree all the way across the board. Like I subscribe to the exact same thing. So I'm with you. I don't really have much to add. Yeah. Um, so as far as the characters, uh, we were talking about how we, you know, I feel that Alden did a good job as Han Solo overall. The issues that I have with him is that like, so Harrison Ford, in a new hole, well, in the original trilogy, uh, he just kind of has this kind of like laid back, like drawl, where like all of his words kind of flow together, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just like he doesn't give a shit. Yep. You know, he's just he's just laid back, like you know. Luke is like ten thousand. We can almost buy our own ship for that. Yeah, and who's gonna fly it, kid? You, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, <laughs> Or uh, we'd like to not uh, we would like to not encounter any imperial entanglements. Well, that's the real trick, isn't it? You know, just this nonchalant, you know, even under yeah. stress. Yeah, like you know, like nothing really, you know, nothing bothers him. He doesn't care. Um, Alden, there are times where he has that, uh, where he has that kind of swagger. Like whenever he's negotiating something, like he definitely, ha- he definitely you know, keys into that. But like, there are other times where he just, you know, he, he sound, he sounds like he's talking like Alden and not Han Solo. Like Mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, so we're going to steal the, you know, we stole the coaxium. We're going to use it to get a ship off of Corellia. You know, (laughs) um, like he just enunciates too much. Mm -hmm. Um, but overall I think he did a pretty good job of, playing Han. Yeah, I enjoyed him. Um, even though you would have been... You, you I would have loved if they DH'd Harrison and just went for it. It could have been horrible and I would have loved it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. De-aging technology get, generally gets a mixed reaction at best. Yeah. Um, like, especially if it's used for an entire movie like it would have had to have been. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like in... Um, the movie The Irishman, where they de-aged Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, and Al Pacino, and it just 
like over the course of the movie, it really starts to become obvious. Mm-hmm. Like it, it becomes distracting after a while, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm personally glad they didn't do that. Um, even I know you would have enjoyed it. I would have enjoyed it. Would have it have been the same effect? No. Um, she already said, and I agree that Amelia Clark as Kira killed it. Um, yeah. Even with limited time that she had, um, she was just incredible. Yeah. Uh, Woody Harrelson as Tobias Beckett also killed it. Yeah. Um, he's always got that that way about him where he's just kind of. I don't really know how to put words to how most of his characters actually are. Like he's got that aggressive feel, but he's so playful about it. If that makes sense. Well, a lot of, a lot of uh, his characters are essentially just himself. Like a lot of, yeah. a lot of Woody Harrelson movies feature Woody Harrelson playing Woody Harrelson. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. Like, and I mean, and I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not, not to say he's not, a good actor. It's just that he injects a lot of himself into all of his characters, but it's, you know, he's great at what he does. So nobody minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anything they create the role for him. Yeah. Donald Glover as Lando. Um, I think he did. I think it was, um, you know, kind of good, not great, but I don't think it was because of Donald. I think it was because of the writing. Like they, I think they overplayed like, Lando being kind of like this suave, you yeah, know, it was late, a little weird. Like this, like almost like a, you know, almost like uh, Hugh Hefner in space kind of thing, you know. Because I get, well, I get I definitely understand that. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I because like in, in, <laughs> when we first meet him in Empire Strikes Back, like he's kind of he's doing all these like you know he's doing all the stuff with Leia, like you know kissing her hand and like you know. Just mm. giving her all these compliments, and Han's like, it's "Supposed you to be a ladies' man." Well, yeah, like, and Han's like, "You old smoothie." You know? <laughs> so, like, I but they, I feel like they overplayed that entirely because, mm. like, uh, we never see uh, Lando fight in this movie, even though he's also supposed to be a good fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's also obviously a keen negotiator because he somehow wound up in charge of Cloud City in the in the original trilogy, um, and we don't see that. Um, you know, and and um, like yeah, like it, like the writing doesn't do a lot for Lando as a character. Uh, I think Donald Glover did good with yeah. what he had. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't, you know, he doesn't get a ton of screen time. Um, so, um, what do you think? I think uh, his whole sexuality situation kind of weirded me out. Like being sexually attracted to a droid. Yeah, but I mean, to each their own. If that's your thing, that's your thing. Marry it. Don't <laughs> Marry have, it. have uh, weird robot kids. I don't care. Yeah, I as mean. As long as you're happy. Yeah, it's whatever. I, you know. Uh, they did like in the promotions, they were saying that like Lando, they decided he would be omnisexual, like being able to be sexually attracted to everything, mm-hmm. to, to any, to any sentient being, you know? So it's, it's whatever, like there's no real basis for that in any of the old EU or, um, you know, the original trilogy or anything like that, but it's, it's whatever. 
Yeah, you know, it I just kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting it, but I don't like have anything against it. That's his thing. It's his thing. Well, yeah, I mean, it just, but like, like I said, it just goes to like again. I think they just overplayed the whole like, you know, he's a smooth ladies' man kind of thing. Yeah, you know, like I don't, you know, so just take it up another notch. Right, and, you know, I think they took it too far. Yeah. That's my point. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's obviously part of his character. Yeah, being a suave, you know guy like that but like it's not put it, more time into the actual writing for his yeah, character and him a better arc well yeah there's not and and also we gotta understand that these are supposed to be the young version of the characters so maybe mm-hmm. he's not a great negotiator yet maybe he's not a great fighter yet but like you know you should see at least some of that mm-hmm. you know yeah um but yeah um so thandaway newton as val good job very yeah. very little screen time same, even you know, same thing with uh, really the next three we're going to talk about: Thandaway, Paul Bettany, John Favreau. Their characters had very, very little screen time, but they all did good with what they had. Especially John Favreau, since mm-hmm. his character is animated, so he was just doing voiceover. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Bettany's Dryden Voss. He's just kind of a cliched, uh, angry gangster villain, you know, which is. You know, it's not to say that, you know, the char- it's a bad character. Like, if that's the character, that's the character. You know, like, we can't have, like, we, we can't have, like, intense character depth for every single character in a movie, you know, that's, at the end of the day, you know, when the, re- the reason we're there is to see Han Solo kick butt. You that's know what true. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, we're not looking for, like, a deep examination of, like, you know the conflict of good and evil within Dryden boss, you know, it's like, there's no room for that. Nobody wants to see it, you know? So it's okay that he, that the character is just kind of like this cliched, you know, bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Paul Bettany did a good job with it. Yeah. Sandaway Newton did a good job as, as, as Val. Yeah. Um, I wish like, I feel like their writing wasn't, fully there. I wasn't emotionally attached to uh, Valerio whenever they died. It was just like, okay, moving well, yeah. on. Yeah, they, um, like, they, they didn't get nearly enough time built up to where we can care about their, mm-hmm. um, about their deaths. Yep. And honestly, like, even Beckett, like, he's not, like, nobody really cares that Rio died, but, like, He's broken up about Val dying for like forty five seconds. Yeah, and then like he's he's mad at Han about the whole thing, but then again, like forty five seconds later, he kind of moves on. Mm-hmm. Like, again, it's never really talked about again. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I. But the thing is, like the the with the runtime of the movie, it's only like a two hour movie ish. Um. I don't think they had enough room to kind of like deal with how losing Val would have changed Beckett's, you know, you know, personality, demeanor, attitudes or anything like there's just not enough room for it. And again, this movie, like we're here to see young Han Solo. We're not here to see, you know, Tobias Beckett, you know, grieve over his, you know, girlfriend or wife or whatever. Best friend. Who knows? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Nothing else? Just you agree? Yep. 
Yeah, and I think so. Um, but as far as like Beckett and Val as a couple, I think there's supposed to be a kind of a dark reflection of right. of yeah. Han and Kira, like what they would be if they did run away. Yeah. Um, and or eventually Han and Leia, like if Han and Leia ran away together, like they ignored their morals. Well, yeah, like ignored the rebellion and just kind of like again, like became a Bonnie, a Bonnie and Clyde type couple. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you do get the sense with Val and and um, uh, Beckett that like you know they're like in the in the time that we see them, they're talking about retirement. You know, you get the sense that they're always. Like they're always talking about retirement. Like it's always one job away, mm-hmm. one job away. Like one more job and then we'll retire. One more job and then we'll retire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not said, but like I said, you just get the feel of that, you know. Yeah. And but then obviously they never get to um, because I, yeah, I feel like most people who retire end up like getting too bored and end up going back in. <laughs> they can. Well, that's but well, that's besides the point. Like they're just you know because they're criminals like. It's tough to retire, you know, from that because, mm-hmm. like, you know, you pull jobs for different bosses, organizations, or you do it on your own, but then you piss somebody off, so you need to do something else to get out from under some. You know, it's just kind of like the cyclical thing, mm-hmm. you know, where you know you basically can't retire, you know, and uh, or you just really you talk about it, but then you like don't want to, and that's kind of. You, like in your heart of hearts, you don't really want to, you know, like Bonnie and Clyde, like the real Bonnie and Clyde, they, they basically were just going to keep robbing banks until, and, you know, and killing cops until somebody caught them and died and they got killed. Like they, you know, they might talk about, they might've talked about, um, you know, stealing enough money to like go somewhere, buy a piece of land you know, away from everything and then, you know, essentially changing their names and living in anonymity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they never, you know, it, 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 like their actions prove that they never actually wanted to. And that's the kind of the feeling you get from Beckett and um, Beckett and Val. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm doing most of the talking. You got anything to add? You said it all. <laughs> no, we're good. <laughs> You know, feel free to interrupt me so you can say something. No, you, you know, you, like, you're nailing it. <laughs> but, um, it's all about getting it all out. It doesn't matter who's really saying it. So, and um, you know, the character of L three. I don't. We didn't look up who voices her. Oh, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Phoebe Waller Bridge, who she's that is. with. I think she's yeah, she's co-starring. Yeah, she's co-starring in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge voices L337. She does a good job. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot to the character. She literally just serves a purpose to become, eventually, the Millennium Falcon's Google Maps. Yeah. Um, but what she does have, she's she's good. Yep. And that's um, pretty much, like, what we can say about all the characters. Like, other than Han and Kira, really, you know, everyone else is just kind of is just kind of there to serve like yeah. a singular purpose of the to movie. Keep the story moving. Yeah. Yep. And so, but so the actors, what they're given, they do a good job with. Yeah. There's no bad acting in this, yeah. in my opinion. Um, so do you want to talk about 
you know, the story, what worked for you, what didn't work for you? I was going to talk about how it seems like everything is uh, leading towards a spinoff. Like we talked about um, in our own personal time, like it seems like they're setting up for Kira to have her own little spinoff. And then like I looked into it and there's supposed to be stuff, but since Solo didn't do really well, she didn't get what she was going for. Um, and I know there was other spinoffs that was coming that like uh, could be there based off of how they did the writing, but none of it was actually executed. Yeah. Uh, and we, you know, so like the, the cloud writers and, and Kira, like, um, and even, um, more adventures with Han and Chewie and Lando, I think was also supposed to get a spinoff of some kind. Um, like that all, like, because solo didn't do well at the box office that all got, you know, squashed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, like the ending, it seems like that's all they were like, like Ali said, it seems like that that's all they were really trying to set up. They weren't trying to like conclude the story, mm-hmm. which obviously they can't conclude the story for Han because we know Han goes off, yep. you know, into the, the main saga, but like everything else was, it seems like they were just kind of trying to set up more content mm-hmm. and then that all just never happened. So uh, and that's the problem with like if you're making movies for these like big universes, um, is that like you're constantly setting up something else, and so then the movie, the movie can't really end on a final note, yeah, because the everything is still going to be, you know, going on to yeah. like the intention is for everything else in the movie, like you don't want to tie up all the loose threads. All the loose threads. Sorry. <laughs> um, you don't want to tie up all the loose threads because, you know, because we need those loose threads to go off into something else for more more content, more shows, more movies, more whatever. I mean, they could set that up in dialogue and leave it alone instead of going off as hard as they did. Well, but that's not, you know, how Disney works. Yeah, I know, but that's how I would do it. Like whenever I do a setup, your face. I do a setup. It's dialogue. Like I pitched towards something, and then you come back to it in a different movie, and it's there, and you're like, oh, that makes sense now. Instead, they had to waste time and not build up these other characters to make us really care. They had to, you know, do all this extra stuff just to give it a chance to go other places. But they already had the setup. They didn't have to go through all that extra work. But mm-hmm. it's either here or there. Yeah. So. so my big thing about the story overall. Do that again. My. <laughs> no. No, I won't. <laughs> my big thing about the story overall is that, like, so... For those of you who don't know, uh, before Disney bought Lucasfilm and Star Wars, there was this thing called the uh, Expanded Universe, where authors, comic book writers, video, you know, video game makers, and all this stuff like um, they put out they put out all this media, they all this different stuff, books, comics, video games, you know, other smaller movies. Stuff like that, uh, that was part of the Star Wars lore, you know, signed off by uh, George Lucas and the higher ups at Lucasfilm. 
you know, everything had the one rule that nothing can contradict something else or anything else. So um, basically everything was as far as like these, as far as like, cause if you read comics, like different, right? Like the different writers for different characters, they're not really um, collaborating with each other. Mm-hmm. So sometimes each other's write write and say things that like kind of overlap and like contradict each other. And it creates kind of a messy universe. Mm-hmm. Star Wars didn't really have that problem because nothing was allowed to contradict anything else. So when you submitted your work for editing, if they found it contradicted anything, um, like they would be, Hey, you got to edit this somehow. Um, so, um, and, and it, and it was great. And like, it told all these stories about, uh, well, at first they weren't allowed to cover anything from before a new hope because Luke, George Lucas was still intending on making those movies, but so they were allowed to do side stuff for the original trilogy, like stuff happening while the rebellion is going on, but they were also allowed to do stuff for after return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, they were also allowed to do stuff like super far into the galaxy's past that has nothing to do with the saga, just giving history of the galaxy, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So stuff like Darth Bane, who I know you got, you don't know, it doesn't matter. Uh, but like, um, just all this, you know, all the all this uh, content. I hate the you. I hate how the word content mm-hmm. is being overused now. But really, I mean, it was just all this great stuff that added to uh, you know the Star Wars fandom. You know, but then when Disney bought Star Wars, okay, um, they essentially said, okay, all the EU, it's no longer canon. We're going to label all of that as quote unquote legends. You know, it's under the label legends. Mm -hmm. You know, everything we do from here on out, that's the new quote unquote canon. You know, and Kathleen Kennedy, the, you know, the, she runs Lucasfilm. Um, well, after Disney bought it, they put her in charge of Lucasfilm. You know, she did an interview where I, I knew, I, like, I had a bad feeling. Uh, yeah, and it, it, we're talking about Star Wars. So we might say, we might as well say, I have a bad feeling about this. Um, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> and that's kind of what I said because Kathleen Kennedy did an interview where she said, you know, you know, Star Wars isn't the MCU. We don't have all these years of comics to go back and refer to, to find stories from. And meanwhile, me with a Rolodex in my head of all the different Star Wars. Yeah. All (laughs) all the different Star Wars books, comics, video games, all the stuff that I've taken in over my lifetime. Like all like, I'm like, you have so much, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. You know? And I'm like, Oh God, this is, you know, you know, so basically they said all that stuff that came before Disney bought Star Wars, it doesn't count anymore. Wrong, wrong, wrong. So yeah, I'm telling I'm telling you and and anybody who listens, this, it's like so this Han Solo sto- uh, origin story, like it follows so many of the story beats from Han Solo's origins in the old EU or the Legends canon, whatever you want to call it. You know, it, it follows so many of those same story beats. Stop. I, you know I talk with my hands. All right, I can't help it. I can't help it, okay? I'm a teacher. It's what I do. I can't help it. Um, so the um, so you got me off track. 
Um, th- so they bought they they clearly borrow so many story so many story beats from the old EU that like it gets to a point where it's like why didn't you just do that? Why didn't you just do like Han's origin from the EU? Um, for those of you who are just listening, she's she's still making fun of me for talking with my hands. And I'm considering a divorce. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, so for example, so Han is from Corellia, all right, but Corellia is in like this crime infested hellhole. Like it's, it's where most of the big ships in the Star Wars universe are made. So it's kind of like one of the places in, in the galaxy where there's always tons of jobs. So like it's not this, you know, just industrial wasteland. At least from what I remember, um, but he but his la- he he's orphaned at a young age, but he knows his last name is Soul. That's not like an invention by some super clever bilingual imperial officer. Oh, sorrow! <laughs> Can't do what you did, but it was still weird. <laughs> Stop looking at me, Mister. Walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Can't. But um. Yeah, so uh, he does. So he does have a girlfriend, but she. <laughs> I'm about to ban you from our debut episode of the podcast. Well, hopefully this helps you not do it anymore. <laughs> I'm going to. I can't help it. It's either that, or I or I sit with my arms folded. You know, I'm like good. I'm a jerk. You know, um, but. The, we'll change our podcast to the jerks and we'll both do it. <laughs> no, it's probably already a thing somewhere. Um, but the uh, but so can I continue? Are you done? For now. Yeah, it's, it's like I feel like I'm talking to one of my students. Are you done? <laughs> can, can can we move on now? <laughs> Go. The um, so he has a girlfriend, but she leaves. She she doesn't rise up the ranks of criminal organization she leaves to join the rebellion and han does enlist in the imperial navy except um in the movie it says he's kicked out of the flight academy flight school uh because he has a hard time following orders go figure Mm -hmm. but in the old eu he uh he, he he becomes a pilot and and so that's how he knows some imperial protocol that he shows throughout the original trilogy like because he was a former imperial, um, he gets kicked out of you know the navy because he sees a couple officers beating up on Chewie and they're about ready to kill him, and he stops them. He saves Chewie's life, and we didn't really talk about Chewie as one of the characters, but they, this movie really didn't do a lot for Chewie. No. Like he's just kind of there because we need him to be in uh, in a Han Solo origin story. Obviously, he has to. Yeah. Um, but they don't really do a lot for him. Um, like we don't see how we saw how Han got gets his blaster. We don't see Chewie get his bowcaster. Um, uh, Chewie at the end of Revenge of the Sith episode three, like he has the famous like only one, you know, you know, uh, rack of ammo across his chest. Mm-hmm. In this movie, he has two for some reason. You know, and then we again see him only have one in, 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 in a new hope. So, um, but in the old EU, Chewie hangs around Han so much because he has a life debt. He saved his life. 
you know. Yeah, and it's not mentioned at all here. Yeah, well, I mean, he didn't really save his life in, in, in this one. Like, they kind of saved each other, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is whatever. I mean, well, I mean they didn't touch on why he was hanging out with him and staying by his side at all times instead of going yeah. a separate way. Well, I mean, I think it's just because they're, you know, basically it's because he chooses to. Mm-hmm. You know, like, in, in the prison breakout, we see Chewie, he goes off to save some Wookiees he sees being enslaved, but then he comes back to Han. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I think the essential message is that he's with Han because he chooses to, which is in its own way a, a nice sentiment. You know, yeah. but in the old EU, he has a, he has a life debt to Han. He owes him his life, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. You know, and he finally repays it when he saves when he saves Han and Leia's children's life. Children, they don't have just one kid who becomes douchey Kylo Ren. They have three children. They have three children. And uh, Chewie saves them, and you know, and, and in doing so, like he 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 winds up dying, uh, saving his life. Thus, you know, thus you know, completing the circle. Mm-hmm. You know, giving his life. You know, so the life debt is paid. Um, and um, but yeah, so um, but yeah, so that's how Han gets kicked out of the the you know the Empire. By saving Chewie's life, he does. You know, he wins. He wins the Millennium Falcon in a card game with Lando. That's the same. And it's just like, again, like I said, it's like we you you clearly, um, you you clearly took story beats from the old EU. So like so so much so that like the story is so close that you might as well have just used. You know that the 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 established story. Mm-hmm. Now, I personally, uh, you know, I think they didn't for two reasons. Um, because, like we talked about earlier, they wanted more content. They wanted mm-hmm. they, they wanted to create characters, spinoffs. Yeah, for you know to make new shows, new movies, or whatever with. Um, but then I think the other one is, I think if they. If they used those stories, they would have had to give credit to the authors who wrote those stories. And Disney is, uh, as far as I last time I read, they're not they're like a bunch of old EU authors are suing them because they're not paying them royalties for stories that they that they wrote for Lucasfilm um, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if that's true. Uh, good for them. Hope they win. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's my that's my big rant about the stuff that kind of bugs me about this movie. It's just like it's so. Um, oh right, yeah. Um, so in the old EU, Han, like, so there's a law and there's an Alderan law that says that because Princess Leia is a princess, um, she has to marry royalty. And so there is a royal solo family of Karelia um, and Han, like basically they find some kind of like a uh, family tree that shows that Han, it, you know, is a descendant of this royal family that's gone extinct essentially. But, you know, Han essentially says like, you know, basically once they're married, he tells Leia like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, you know, uh, I, I really doubt I'm actually related to them. I probably just have the same last name. 
Mm-hmm. You know? uh, so he, still got the girl, right? I mean, he. I mean, <laughs> the it's, kids now, right? I mean, it's a bogus law, obviously, yeah. but that's the point, you know. Like, and um, but yeah, so it's just it's just one of those things, you know. I mean, I can understand why they didn't include that because, like, it's not really a relevant detail for this story. But again, it's just one of those things. Like, if you're gonna, like, if you if the story is already so close, like, why not just Go for it. Yeah, why not just, it. yeah. But, I mean, I know you haven't taken in any Star Wars media besides the main movies. Yes, and, 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 and. I would love to know more about that. That's cool. <laughs> um, but, um, anything about the movie bug you? I that mean, we have many things, but what? yeah, we've already we've already discussed most of it, mm. except for the um, cloud riders being oh yeah the led by the twelve year old ginger, ginger. <laughs> yeah like the cloud riders they're supposed to be this like you know this uh, paramilitary like guerrilla group fighting the empire and crimson sun, but they're led by like this this the the, the this twelve year old ginger girl who's also the leader of. Like the the you know the the main villains in uh, uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier uh, that show um, that you didn't watch. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's the leader of another paramilitary organization, even though in that show she's like instead of being twelve, she's like seventeen. <laughs> so like um, like I get the messaging, like hey, young people. You can change things too. I get it, but like, out of all the people to lead uh, this military organization, like you're 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 gonna choose a twelve year old girl, yeah. like really? And you know they say she says that her mom used to be the leader until she got killed, and it's like, but that kind of reverses the whole uh, messaging of like, hey, young people, you can do positive change too. Um, because then the messaging becomes, hey, young people, as long as you're related to somebody else important, you can do positive change too. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? That literally wraps it up. That's everything. Well, it's not everything. like That we well, have notes on. Well, so... I'm sure you have plenty more. No, it's just like, like I joked about it when we were given the summary, but the monster in the middle of the maelstrom is it's literally like, yeah, I think it's something that they literally ripped from Lovecraft Mm -hmm. because that's literally something that, you know, love that's all like Lovecraft's like Cthulhu mythos. Mm -hmm. Like is, is just all these like, you know, massive tentacle monsters, like just living in space, you know, you know, they don't really do anything except be just like kind of malevolent, destructive forces. Mm -hmm. Um, but like we said before, like the main, I think, I think the main point of the story is less to kind of tell the story or the main point of this movie is less to tell the story of young, Ho, uh, young, young Han Solo. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm doing most of the talking. So it's, yeah, I'm, I keep, you know, yeah. okay, fine. You take over. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's pretty much everything though. So it's not. It we is. Still, no, it's not. We that still we have notes on. No, we still have more. Where? Um. 
Well, there's... Um, it's not a note, so off the head, go. Are you going to keep making fun of me? Hello. <laughs> so the main, the main point seems to be, like, a, like we said before, it's less about telling the story and more about, like, just, you know, kind of filling in gaps, answering questions about, like, how did Han get this blaster? How did Han get the Millennium Falcon? Mm-hmm. How did Han, you know, uh, you know, how did Han and Chewie meet? All this stuff, you know, instead of instead of just telling the story, uh, the, the the story, and so or having you know sequel potential, in right? There. And so the big thing is like the whole so in. You know, the main saga that's said over and over again, the Millennium Falcon is the fastest ship in the galaxy. Fa- you know, you got to take her. She's oh, the fastest right. ship in the fleet. Yep. Um, and, but in reality, so, it, but like Han, when he tells Obi-Wan that the Millennium Falcon is the ship that made the castle run in less than 12 parsecs. So a parsec is a measurement of space, a measurement of distance, not time or speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everyone, so everyone is, it's like, okay, well that's either a big like editing flub from George Lucas who just wrote in Parsec and didn't realize it was a measurement of distance or, you know, ba- basically the old EU justified it by saying that like, well, the Millennium Falcon isn't actually all that much faster than, um, uh, like uh, other ships in the fleet, if if fa- if they're even faster at all, at all, it's more that, it's more that the computer in the Millennium Falcon has, um, like you know, it basically has a computer that can make routes better, light speed, and that's what makes it faster, and that's how it was able to, you know, do the Kessel Run in less than twelve parsecs, you know. Because like, because like, taken at face value, it's like saying you did a hundred yard dash in eighty yards. It doesn't make any sense. So that's why. And people have said like, that's why Obi Wan kind of gives them this look, like, like, okay, bro, whatever you say. And for him, okay, bro, whatever you say. Mm-hmm. You know, Al Guinness with his you know high pitched you know British voice, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah. Um, and that being L three, yeah, that, I mean, and that's the purpose that L three ultimately served. Even though, and here's the thing, like, it's never L three is never mentioned again, mm-hmm. and that's what I hate when you're. That's the like the danger in doing something that takes place before something that's already been established. Yep. You know, if you add something in, like to make it better, that's one thing. Well, no, it's like you know, it, like so. They're adding this in to give more context for why the the ship was able to do the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. Okay, fine. But like, you know, but like the fact that you're basically, if, if you're just saying, like, they could have just addressed that by basically saying Lando souped up, like, the, the, the mapping in the Millennium Falcon. They didn't need to basically give the map a personality mm-hmm. because L3, the character is never mentioned again, you know, before or since, mm-hmm. you know, so it just, it doesn't make sense to add in a character whose sole purpose is to eventually become the map of the Millennium Falcon when it's never going to be mentioned again, mm-hmm. you know, 
Does that make sense? Yeah, we're saying the same thing differently. Okay. Um. So the one. So the the other big thing that I want to talk about. It's not really so. Uh, again, for those of you who aren't into the nerdosphere like me, um, so there's this whole debacle or with uh, in in the Star Wars fandom about you know just called Han shot first. So when George Lucas went to remaster the original trilogy uh, with more modern technology to add in stuff that he wanted to have in the original movies but couldn't because of limited technology. Um, he also went back and changed this meeting between Han and Greedo that we all know is famous, where Greedo basically uh, has a has a blaster aimed at Han, and they're sitting in the booth in the cantina, and Greedo's like, "I'm gonna hand you over to Jabba the Hutt," and um, and 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 Han basically just blasts him, you know. Uh, so in the original release, they're like. Greedo, Greedo doesn't even get a shot off. Greedo just literally, you know, and, and that's, and Greedo's kind of like the, 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 you know, like the worst bounty hunter in the galaxy. You know, like in, in all the lore, he constantly just, like, he goes on a, on a bounty hunt and just constantly gets outsmarted by the people he's hunting or, the or the other bounty hunters and like he's just kind of he's just kind of everybody's whipping boy. He just constantly gets crapped on, and and so and so Hans just blasts him. Uh, George Lucas went and changed it so that um, Greedo um, shoots at Han first before Han blasts him, and basic and, and like and like he goes and tries to edit it. So that Han, it makes it look like Han moves, but like the editing is so terrible that like it almost looks like you know like if you're trying to copy and paste like a picture or not copy and paste but like shift it over, like you can kind of see you you basically just the difference. yeah you're just like eh, 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 eh. Mm-hmm. like that's what it looked like, and then you know and 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 the blast blast just kind of goes. Right by Han's head. Well, and then Han shoots him, and it's like, and George Lucas went and did that, basically to make it seem like just to soften Han, Mm -hmm. make it seem like he's not such a bad guy. The the point is, at the beginning of the movie, he's supposed to be a total mercenary, and he comes around and joins the rebellion at the end. You know, um, but and but then in subsequent releases. It's been edited so that they essentially shoot simultaneously. Um, but yeah, so in, but in in the original, not only does Greedo what not only does Han shoot first, Greedo never even gets a shot off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the end of the movie with Han with the Han and Beckett showdown, he you know Beckett's trying to say, um, I've got one last you know you know one last lesson to teach him. It's the most important lesson and then Han shoots him before he can finish and I think in my head at least it would have made sense if he was about to say always shoot first mm-hmm. you know and that would have been an epic ending well yeah but also it would have been kind of like a like addressing the whole Han shot first debacle hi post edit Ali and Howie again 
Uh, so this part, our daughter was screaming over the audio, and uh, we don't, you know, we have to deal with that. We don't uh, require you to. So um, basically, uh, this part is just me saying, you know, that I think the whole Beckett's one lesson to always shoot first is both a callback and a response to the whole Han shot first um, debacle in the fandom. And well, and basically, if if you feel the same or different, or you think I'm reading too much into it, either way, uh, you know, comment, let us know. It's it's basically something that like dawned on my head, like as soon like the very first time I saw it, like oh man, I think that's I think that's I'm kind of calling out the whole Han shot first thing. Um, what do you think? Yeah. But but yeah, that just goes to speak to, to like. Um, you know, like the characters of Han and Kira, you know, Kira keeps saying, um, I'm not the person that you knew anymore. You know, and Han clearly has this idealized version of her in his head, you know, and she knows she's not gonna be able to live up to that. Yeah, because I mean, whenever you look at Amelia, you already see like a sweetheart, you see somebody that you know you want to be friends with, and so. Her saying, you know, I'm you not... You see the mother of dragons. Yes. Um, you see somebody that, you know, has a good heart and she's trying to tell him, like, the whole time, like, I am not that person. I have done horrible things. Like, I could never be who you think I am. Like, in your mind. Like, you're infatuated and your idea of me is not actually correct. And Han keeps trying to say, like, well, I've done bad things, too. I've, I'm, I'm not a good guy, either. Yeah. And, um, but, he like... still but, believes they belong together. Yeah, and, um, but she's, she realizes they don't, that it's not going to work out. That's why she leaves. But, and, but also, but the thing is, like, at, again, like I said, at the beginning of A New Hope, Han is supposed to be, like, this kind of mercenary, total mercenary figure. He only does things for money. Mm-hmm. Um... So at the end of Solo, and he just gives the coaxium um, to the Cloud Riders. Hey, post-production Allie and Howie again. Uh, Once again, our daughter was screaming over a section that we were talking about. Uh, And the big idea that she was screaming over is that uh, when Han gives the coaxium to the Freedom Riders, how it doesn't really match his character when we meet him. But, like, um, we have to take into account that this is probably, like, ten years before we actually me- supposed to meet him on an, at A New Hope. But you should, like, it, it kind of goes to, sh- you know, all the legacy characters. Like, they didn't really do enough to show, you know, to show them where we first meet them. Like, you know, uh, Han isn't, you know, a total mercenary. You know, even though he is when we first meet him, he's he's like the he's the pirate with the heart of gold, and you know when, later on in the saga. But you know when we first meet him, he's 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 just a pirate, no no heart of gold. You know, and so him giving over the coaxium just didn't make a, a ton of sense to me, at least. Yeah, and I feel like um, Han and Kira kind of being different people. Um, and that point constantly being pushed across. But there's also that love interest where she keeps kind of leading him on and he keeps falling into her a little bit more. Like, 
the writing just did not really make sense to me why you keep leading him on um and he keeps kind of being like let's run away together and she's like yeah no um it's just kind of it's well, a bit flawed well her 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 She's telling him no, 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 but her actions are saying yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the the kissing scene. Yeah, yeah I agree. Well, you know, just that, like everything. Yeah. Know? But uh, but yeah. So, um, but again, that's uh probably more to do with that they wanted a Kira spinoff of some kind than than yeah. anything else. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. Yeah, and I think that's you know because obviously we all know that Han winds up with Leia in the end. So, like, there's no point in teasing this other romantic interest when we all know where it's going to wind up. Yeah. So, uh, for plotline purposes in the grand Star Wars universe, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the way to go. That's, you know, that's definitely the way to go. But also, as far as, like, the character work of, like, you know, the character of Kira, uh, it made it made the character much deeper than any of the other side characters in this movie. Uh-huh. Like, um, and like we said, like basically for the entire middle section, like this, you know, basically Han and Kira kind of put this film on their back. Uh-huh. Everyone else takes a back seat, at, you know, even, even Chewie. Um, part of that is because Chewie's a Wookiee. So like, you know, we can't understand what he's saying and stuff. All That's that. like my favorite part, though. Like the communication between Han and Chewie, literally my favorite part. So it would have been great to actually have that in this one where they start the bantering. But I get that they're not that close to actually banter yet. You know how they, you know how they do that, like mm-hmm. while they're filming. Like Chewie has actual lines, like, and the actor in the suit says them, mm-hmm. and they basically just. So that's what Han is reacting to, like whatever, whether it's Alden or or uh, Harrison. That's what they're answering and reacting to, um, and then they just go back and edit it with it, actual yeah. noise. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if you ever knew that. Or not. I didn't know it, and I love it even more. Yeah. Um, I don't. Helpful. I don't remember if the if the original Chewbacca actor in the suit was the one who played Chewie. Hey, post-production Allie and Howie again. Uh, This time it wasn't because our daughter was screaming. This one was because we were mistaken. So Peter Mayhew, the legendary actor uh, who played Chewbacca in the original trilogy and his one appearance in the prequel trilogy, uh, retired from acting in 2016. His last time in the suit was for Force Awakens. So he was not Chewbacca in Solo or any of the other uh, sequel sequel movies. And he um, retired in 2016. He, well, this film was done in 2018, and he passed away in 2019. Yeah, he was listed as a as Chewbacca consultant in the Last Jedi, um, and that would be I, that would be his final film credit in the Star Wars series. But yeah, um, uh, so uh, Chewbacca in this movie was played by a guy by the name of Junis uh, Suotamo. I believe that's how you pronounce it. It's pretty good. Um, just, uh, you know, like the thing is, like, Peter Mayhew was really tall, but he was also, like, a trained actor, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know anything about Junis. He, you know, he might be. Uh, I don't know if he will get any roles outside of, you know, being 
a guy in a suit though um and but yeah um but he did a good job as chewbacca um i mean and it seems like he was chosen because he was um a body double for peter um a few times in previous films yeah um well, only for The Force Awakens and Last Jedi. That's why um, I said previous films. Mm. Yeah, but you made you may it sound like he, like, stepped in for him on, like, regular films, too. Mm-mm. Like, there's Peter Mayhew, and then he just, like, tags out and, and stops <laughs> and step in, in, in steps Junus. Like, and everyone just acts completely normal. Mm-hmm. Um but no, um, he did a good job. But um, you know, obviously, we all miss Peter Mayhew. Him and uh, Harrison Ford became good friends over time. And like honestly, like uh, Harrison Ford didn't even want to do it without Peter. I don't blame him. Yeah, but yep. Posted it, uh, Allie and Howie again. This time it was because. Uh, our daughter was she had qualms. Yeah. She wanted to end the show for us. Yeah, she it was it was getting late. It was getting late for her. It was time to put her down, and she was letting us know, "Hey, it's time to put me down." Even though she'd already fallen asleep. Yeah. But she wanted to fall asleep differently in her normal area. Yeah. So, uh, but really, the only thing she was screaming over was us wrapping up the show and letting you all know to please. Like, subscribe, follow us on all of the social medias. Comment. Comment, definitely comment. Uh, tell us, you know, if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, um, if you think we're if, if you think we're crazy, everything that we're saying, whatever, uh, share. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, if you want, if you like the, if you're starting on audio, definitely go to video on YouTube because we have all the bonus material of what we're talking about. Yeah, we insert in some instances. Yeah, we insert as many clips to all the different references that we make throughout uh, the show as possible. Uh, we can only we only do it on video because it doesn't translate that well over audio. So and copyright um, reasons. Well, yeah, that too. But um, but yeah, so the 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 best way to view this show is is via video for right now. Yeah experience um, yeah but um but yeah do you have anything else no it's been great yeah it's a first episode and we're gonna and we're gonna wind up uh dropping it on our daughter's birthday so yeah it's her birthday today yeah but um her first birthday yeah can't believe it <laughs> but flies. uh hope you enjoyed yourselves thanks for coming and um we'll see you soon